Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, Hell's Bay Boatworks, Turtle Box Audio, and Orvis Fly Fishing. Recently on a trip to Louisiana with my friends at Guiding Flow, I got a chance to slip away for a day and spend some time on the water with an up-and-coming guide, Ty Hibbs. For many, when they think about Louisiana, they think about the incredible food, the unique culture, and of course, the world-renowned fishery known for its large bull reds. Ty's love for his home waters stretches beyond that. And in this episode, he warns us of overlooking the fun that can be had chasing slot reds and vegetation and waiting for large jacks in the shallow flats. He also discusses kayak fishing and shares some common mistakes he sees anglers and guides make. I had a blast chasing fish in the marsh with Ty and now understand why he's earned so much respect in his region. I hope that you enjoy this time we had together. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you, you know, it's genetic. Let everything else stop in the world and just be quiet. And it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go. And sometimes just that quiet space is, is what we need, and especially in this day and age. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people. And it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. No one else knew anything anyway, and you're just might definitely making it up if you're going along. But so what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's the old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? That's look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's gonna be. All right. Hey, Ty, thanks so much for hanging out and joining us on the podcast. Had a great day on the water today in your home waters of Louisiana. And I'm, I'm looking forward to talking a little bit about what makes this place so special. But uh, before we get into that, could you just introduce yourself, what, what you do, and um, also tell us about how you first kind of fell in love with the outdoors? Yeah, man. I uh, appreciate the invite. Uh, love what you're doing on here. And um, so pretty much my name's Ty Hibbs. I'm born and raised down here in southeast Louisiana. Grew up over there in Metairie and Kenner, born in Kenner, pretty much grew up there for a while, lived in Metairie for a while, and then uh, over there in Slidell now on the you know northeastern side of the lake, but you know, I'm a fly fishing guide, we do a bunch of sight fishing, fly fishing, whatever, pretty much sticks with the shallow water stuff, redfish for the most part, you know, I love the jacks too, and mm. pretty much I'm always doing something, I'm on the water whether I'm working or not, that's just kind of what I love to do, so, but Grew up in it down here, you know. I grew up just like everybody else that I fish with down here. Grew up kind of just, you know, catching trout. Trout was mm-hmm. kind of the thing down here. And still to this day, people are so mad at them little 12-inch creatures. They're fun to catch, you know. They're decent fish to eat. Mm-hmm. But uh, grew up doing that, popping corks and Delacro, Point Lahash, you know, on the west side some too. But uh, redfish, you know. But it wasn't really... Nothing what we do now was even a thing when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Fly fishing was definitely not a thing. 
No, but the only fly fishing we did was like for bluegill and all mm-hmm. and a little bitty things. And then redfish was fun, you know, when we were kids to catch a, a big one, it was fun, but it was like, all right, enough of that. Where's the trout at? That's just kind of, yeah. everybody was mad <laughs> at him, you know, that's just what we did. I mean, I remember me and my buddy Sean in a little flat boat in high school and, you know, running around like maniacs being pissed that we're, you know, we're trying to catch 50 trout, 50 trout. And then like, you realize one day that's cool and all, but like watch this redfish eat a fly and then I could catch it tomorrow if I let it go. And it's so much, so much more rewarding than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who, who kind of introduced you to fly fishing? So pretty much it was, uh, my uncle, and my cousin, you know, they had been fishing, you know, down the road forever. And I kind of grew up doing that with them. My grandpa did a bunch of fishing too. Um, but it was pretty much my uncle and my cousin because me and my, I have two younger brothers too. And, that's, I mean, that's what we did every, every single weekend. Mm-hmm. We just went out there mostly to Point Lahash. Point Lahash is kind of the place we grew up fishing out of Beschel's Marina, which some people don't even know if they're still a thing anymore. You know, it, a lot's changed in that area. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, it was, it was pure salt water. It was oysters and, you know, the Mississippi river really had nothing to do with it. It would we caught trout pretty much everywhere. And uh, now, I mean, a lot of people that know now that we have the Mardi Gras cut, we call it there. It's a cut that actually blew through in the river. It had come through a couple of times mm-hmm. before, but it blew through the river levee in 2012 on Mardi Gras Day. That's why they call it the Mardi Gras cut. And uh, it's pretty much like, it's kind of like Venice now. Like the river flows through there. So, you know, it's real fresh, which is not a bad thing. Some people hate it because... Speckled trout are not going to live there anymore. Not like close in, at least, which mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, you catch bass, you know, you catch redfish down there. It's just, I, it's it's pretty cool because I've watched that place change so much. Mm-hmm. Being, and I'm, you know, I'm nowhere near as old as some of these guys have been doing it longer than I've been alive down here. But at least in my short life, I watched it change and it's taught me a lot, stuff like that. Yeah, what, what do you feel like it's taught you as you just kind of have watched it change over the years? You know, it's, the main thing is, like, you can't take anything for granted, you know? I mean, I'll, we have such a great fishery here, probably one of the better fisheries on the entire Gulf Coast, and uh, it's not really like anything's gotten, you know, it's not a bad thing that's changed over there. It's just like, you know, we used to do things a certain way, and people get in that rhythm of, only there you know people it's i hear it all the time somebody's like oh man you know this place sucks now i used to go to this point and catch all the speckled trout i wanted 25 years ago and i'm like mm. well that's great but like the river changes you know things change you got to adapt mm. but it's taught me to adapt for sure you know how things have changed and just like redfish i'm I, you know i use redfish as the example just because i'm chasing redfish so much throughout the year and you know, just like today when we were fishing, I mean, mm-hmm. places that they should be, they just weren't in the morning and, uh, it looked pretty and, you know, it just wasn't right. And then we finally got in a spot where we saw a good bit of them and, mm-hmm. you know, wind was blowing, but we made a couple, couple good shots happen. And, uh, there's no telling those fish might not be there tomorrow. They might be more tomorrow, but, uh, you know, having to adapt to everything, I feel like makes you such a better fisherman just mm-hmm. for any fish species. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting, too, is it, it seems like a lot of the people who um, fish around here have a huge, huge uh, scale of where they go to. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of traveling, hopping to, uh, hopping around. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I'd say as far as the locals around here, um, 
See, that's, and it all comes back to like trout fishing, you know, like people, I mean, there's people that, you know, leave from where we were in Delacro today and they run out to Chandelier Islands. I mean, that's a, in a bay boat, that's going to take you an hour, you know? Mm. I mean, they're hauling across 20 miles of open water, you know, plus 20 miles of in the marsh just to go catch a trout. So people do some traveling and all, but I feel like majority of your locals are kind of creatures of habit. Like if you got a guy that, you know, he's trout fishing or red fishing or whatever it may be, and he's been launching where it used to be Brenton Sound Marina, it's Hopedale Marina forever, and he's just going to fish the same little route he does over and over. I feel like that's more than probably 70% of the fishermen down here. They don't, mm. it's really, they don't move around too much. I'd say as far as what we do, sight fishing guys, we move around a lot just because it changes throughout the year. You know, you're not going to catch, you can catch redfish in the same area throughout a whole year, but it may not be very good in January as as it was in August or vice versa, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the impression I got was you guys just have tons of water. I mean, tons of, you know, shallow, skinny water around here. What, in what ways has that environment you feel like maybe helped shape you as a guide or an angler, just having to navigate so much terrain? Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, you know, we do a lot of running sometimes just like today. I mean, it's, it's early spring, you know, it's March, I'm not too much of a fan of that mid-February to mid-March just because the fish move around a lot. The grass hadn't really started. It's kind of hot. You know, the, the things we do on the edge of, of where we're in oysters and all, mm-hmm. that's kind of getting hot. They don't want to be in that. So it's kind of a weird time. But uh, it's just there's so much water. I always get clients all the time. They're like, how do you, you know, there's so much water. Why do we go here? I'm like, well... You know, based on this tide, based on this wind, based on what the water looks like, that's why we came here. And mm-hmm. and I think that just takes experience at that point. You know, you're not going to pull up, just pull up down here and pick a bank and be like, this is it. And I mean, you could, you could pull up to a bank and see a hundred redfish. You never know, you know, or mm-hmm. I mean, I've had people call me and, you know, coming in friends of mine and fish and I tell them, you know, kind of what to look for, and they'll go two, three days and be like, dude, what is going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I'm like, oh, you should have fished this drift, you know, 50 yards off of this bank instead of right on it. It's little things like that, and I take, I really think that takes, like, just doing it. You got to do it a bunch. You don't, you don't sit on a sofa for 10 days, go out there on day 11 and and catch 30 redfish. That's just Mm -hmm. not how it works. When you were a kid, what out of all the different outdoor things that you did around Louisiana, what was the first one that you felt like it was really your something you grabbed onto yourself and not just something that your family did? I mean, it. it I think it was really fishing, just because like fishing so accessible for everybody. Uh, when I was when I was really young, I mean, there was a park by my house. It was called Kenner City Park, and they had bass and all in there, and uh, I'd throw a rod on my hop on my bike and go bass fish over there it's just mm-hmm. you know it's right there it's super accessible and uh i feel like fishing was just i've all i, I can't remember a time where i wasn't fishing mm-hmm. i mean all through i played baseball you know all through high school and all and like any chance i had we were fishing and then you know when i started driving it was like oh you know let's go craw fishing let's go duck hunt let's mm-hmm. go you just got into more and more things as they became more accessible to me but fishing's one thing that, like, that's my number one, you know. I I always tell people, like, I probably work 100 days a year of bringing clients or so around that range. 
And uh, I'm probably on the water another 150 on top of that, just because like if it's pretty and you know if I think it's gonna be good and I that's just what I do. That's what I like to do: fishing, duck hunting in the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, doing something. Whether it doesn't have to be just redfish. I do a lot of stuff from jacks to tarpon to you know sockeye and bass and bluegill, whatever it may be. If you know, I'm always doing something. Mm-hmm. When did you decide that you wanted to become a guide? Because, I mean, a lot of people grow up and they love hunting and fishing, but only a very limited amount of people actually make that jump. I think my thing with it was I first started out doing it, you know, just being around a lot of people that I hung out with, with, they were doing like the bay boat thing, Mm -hmm. you know, going out with live shrimp and catching redfish and trout and keeping them and doing all that. And that's, you know, that's just kind of fly fishing, well, sight fishing in general wasn't really like, as popular as it is today I always i hate to call it a fad mm-hmm. but i feel like it's definitely that fad type thing the past like five years and it's grown tremendously which is not a bad thing it's but um and uh i feel like when i first started i was looking at it as oh you know i'll just run a bay boat and i like to fish so like why not have some bring some people and let them enjoy it i'll fish and all and then it wasn't until I started doing some more just sight fishing stuff, you know, just going around sight fishing redfish, where I was like, this is really cool. And it was like so apparent that I enjoyed watching that fish eat as much as I enjoyed catching any fish. Like mm. me personally catching it was not the goal anymore. It was like, wow, that was so cool watching that fish eat. And it didn't matter that I wasn't doing it. And then, you know, it kind of clicked. There was a buddy of mine, Jonathan Allen, who had been guiding a little bit before me. And uh, he did a bunch of fly fishing and all, and and he was like, oh, you know, well, yeah, you should do this and find a little skiff or something like that, and I'll show you a little bit. And mm-hmm. I had, you know, always brought my fly rod before and a little flat boat or something and just throwing at redfish, but pulling a skiff and all, I was like, this is really cool. And mm-hmm. then kind of, I kind of just threw myself into it because I had some people just calling me, and I was like, you know what, I'll just figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I just started pulling around and, you know, you get stuck a few times. I think the very first trip I ever met, I ran, I'll never forget. Um, it was like as low as the water can possibly get in Hopedale. Mm-hmm. And I was just running around like a maniac, like I normally do. And just not really paying attention much and ran just right across this nice little oyster flat and started pulling as far as I could while the water was falling and uh got stuck on i had to get out and push my guys off of it and i was like (laughs) oh god what the hell am i doing you know but it was a good day i remember we caught a we caught a big bull red that day and a couple slot a couple slot fish and all and uh it was it was like the first couple times i did it watching the enjoyment that people got that have you know it was something so cool to me and then seeing somebody that has never seen this before react Mm -hmm. to what they just saw watching a you know a six pound redfish or a 26 pound redfish open up their mouth and swallow a fly and them just like losing their mind about how cool it was. That's when I was like, this is so cool. Like, this is what I want to do. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to bring, I want to show people this, like they got to see this. Like Mm -hmm. I can't just keep this for me. Yeah. And, and I, I think that one of the things I enjoy about traveling and fishing is, you know, you go around and there's all these different cultures. There's all these different fishing styles. Like you showed me something today that y'all do with, <laughs> you know, the push bowl that, yeah. you know, how, cause y'all got such thick mud, you know, you, you don't actually push with the push bowl. You can, 
just actually (laughs) tug yourself back (laughs) by sticking it in the mud. And there's just all sorts of little tiny little things like that, that I feel like are really neat and a great reason why to get out and explore. And you, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, we're creatures of habit, you know, we go somewhere, you catch eight trout, you think to yourself, all right, you go next time, you catch four trout. You mm-hmm. go once, you catch one trout, and you catch ten trout, and yep. you just go. Well, if I just go enough times, I'll keep yeah, catching trout. Exactly. But you know, I, I think if we can see anglers like spending more time traveling and seeing different cultures and seeing, and actually spending time on the boat with guides who have really dedicated themselves to understanding their fishery and what happens, man, it just opens up. You know what you said? It opens up their eyes. It opens up people's eyes to just how incredible these fish and these places are. And one of the things I love about coming here to Louisiana is, I mean, when you think of Louisiana, culture comes up. I mean, that word, you know, there's definitely a culture here. And I think a lot of people, the the cat's out the bag on redfish in Louisiana. Oh, there's no doubt about it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we're breaking any ground. No. But give me... Give me the, the the rundown about what makes Louisiana special because you're a Louisiana native, so you, you know you even got the the slang a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> give us the the rundown. Yeah, I mean, I just I you know like we talked about earlier, I like traveling around and seeing other things, and hmm. that's what taught me a lot too. And as far as like open up my eyes to say, hey, you know, why do these other places release so many fish? Why don't they keep them? And, doing that research and being like, oh, well, you know what? If I'd let that fish go, I could catch it tomorrow. If mm-hmm. I keep it, it's, it's gone, you know? But uh, as far as Louisiana goes, man, I mean, it's uh, it's an awesome place. I mean, I, I love doing things outside of the state. I love, you know, hanging out on in Florida, messing with tarpon and all. Um, I love, you know, going to the Bahamas with a buddy of mine and catching those bonefish. That's a blast. But nobody could ever get me to leave this place just mm-hmm. because – there's so many things we do here. And as far as red fishing goes, it's really hard to beat, man. I mean, just like you saw today, like we had some fish that were kind of acting up spooky today. Mm-hmm. But like my spooky is drastically different from, you know, <laughs> a spooky fish for y'all. Same, same with, same with clean water. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because we pulled up and you said, man, this water is clean. I thought you were joking a little bit. I'm like. <laughs> no, I get, yeah, it's I get that a lot. It's just different. You know, it's a different, we have mud, you know, mm-hmm. that dark mud and. It's just, it's such a different place. Like, as far as just looking at redfish, mm-hmm. we can go and catch redfish so many different ways in so many different types of water here over oysters, over sand, you know, deep jigging um, on top waters, over grass, over mud, you know, you name it. Like, Louisiana's got it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like any other place that has these fish has anything like that. You know, we could, there's so many different, I mean, we catch them like I was telling you today. I mean, we're catch bass and you'll see bluegill running around with redfish. I mean, they're just. I they're almost in. caught a bass. I almost had the Louisiana <laughs> slam. Yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Depending on who you talk to. I, <laughs> I jumped one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it's just things like that. You know, that shocks people. I get clients and, and they catch a bass and they're like, are these the same largemouth? I'm like, yeah, same thing. They're like, oh, I thought they don't live in salt water. I'm like, well, I mean, this is like really, really fresh water. And they're like, oh, I thought redfish don't live in, salt, in fresh water. I'm like, well, it's a different place here. You know, mm-hmm. they do different things and they can live in, I've seen them, I've seen redfish in the craziest stuff ever mm-hmm. in Louisiana, you know? And I think it's just, it's such a diverse place. 
And it's such a forgiving place to people too. It can, I mean, there's days it'll just beat you down. And I mean, anywhere is like that though. But there's days when you go, man, and everything's right. The wind's right. The tide's right. And you see these fish acting crazy. And you, you know, you run over one with the boat. It hits the bottom of the boat while you're poling and it turns around and so you slap a fly by and it eats. And you're like, what is wrong with this fish? And like, nothing he's just happy you know he's got nothing to worry about he's got food it's just like that's just you 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 just can't take it for granted here Mm -hmm. and i feel like sometimes we lose the you know the fact of how cool this place really is yeah and and i got a lot of questions about cajun cuisine and (laughs) you know um just some of the kind of must do's must sees around this area um, but I agree. I think it's a beautiful area, but you have, you, you had mentioned you have concern, you know, you, you're young and you know, you haven't been around guiding for a super long time in this area, but you know, there's also a culture of just absolutely whacking and stacking. And that's what a lot of people know this place to oh, be. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there are a lot of fish, but just share with, share, share with us what, what, what are your concerns? There? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, man. I mean, there's still like, it's still a, a great fishery. There's, you know, still tons of fish compared to elsewhere, but like, just talk, you talk to anybody, man. I mean, nothing's anywhere you go. Nothing's ever as good as it once was, mm-hmm. but we've definitely seen a change over the, especially the past like five or six years. And, uh, you know, it's, I feel like redfish are kind of under the gun with everything right now. You know, our trout fishing has declined and, uh, no, doesn't matter what the reason is. There's many reasons why there's a lot of things against the trout as well. But so you take away those, I'd say when I was a kid, 80% of people fishing in Louisiana, let's say every Saturday, Sunday, we're trout fishing. Now I bet you it's like 50, 50, or maybe more people red fishing now just Mm -hmm. because trout aren't as easy to catch as they were and uh you know you got more people so let's just say you got more people bait fishing recreational anglers and there's far more recreational anglers than our guides or anything else to worry about but let's just say you know you got your recreational anglers targeting redfish more Mm -hmm. and killing more redfish so i mean which our limits are you know what they are and no foul against them but like you know at some point let's you know you'd think we'd have to start considering some other options and looking at things so you got that for one there's tenfold the amount of guides now and not just like fly fishing and all that obviously there's more sight fishing guys but there's thousands of more you know guys in bay boats Mm -hmm. with dead shrimp and popping corks and they catch the hell out of them i mean there's no doubt about it and they're keeping you know if they got you know three four guys on a boat that's potentially 20 redfish and you know multiply that by 200 guides working out of one area that's a lot of fish so you got that then we got guys bow fishing and all which i don't feel that the bow fishermen kill as many fish i know they don't because there's not as many of them Mm -hmm. and uh but my thing is with it it's not really them killing the fish that bothers me it's just the fact that like you got mud boats and air boats driving around all hours of the night so when you got boats running around the daytime boats running around the nighttime when the hell these fish rest you know Mm -hmm. And, um, you got that. And on top of that, you throw in like pogey boats, like we talked about a little bit today and putting a a lot of pressure on our breeding stock redfish. And, and, you know, just like anytime I'd rather lose a, a, you know, a a good bit of slot fish than I would breeding stocks is at least you kill a six pound slot fish. 
you know, what, how many more babies is he going to have? How many more eggs is he going to lay? And more redfish is he going to make than that bull red that's, you know, already spawning right now. And that's mm-hmm. probably spawned multiple times, multiple generations. He's perfected it, you know. And, you know, him and any of those bigger bulls, you know, that's your future there for sure. And I just hate to see it. And it's not any one thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, at some point, you throw in all that and then you throw in the amount of land we've lost on top of that for all these small redfish to grow. You know, that's just five or six things right there against the redfish on top of the, uh, the amplitude of pressure from just us sight fishermen too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, well, I mean, e- everything presents a problem. Put all that together and you're eventually going to see a change. And we definitely have. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, that I've noticed in traveling around and spending time in areas like Mosquito Lagoon and, you know, South Florida and just some of the fisheries that are really, really struggling and really trying to get the word out about what they need with their water uh, mostly, but also with, you know, angling practices and et cetera, is, you know, even if you're in a healthy fishery that, you know, maybe, maybe your fishery can sustain higher harvest numbers, you know, you still need to have your eyes wide open and you still need to approach that with respect and you still need to really just try to do, it's not just about how much can we do, but how great can this be? Those are two different questions. No, you know? no doubt. I mean, that's my thing with it. And I realized I was lucky enough to realize that at a young age, you know, like I realized that it's, I enjoyed fishing more than, you know, catching more mm-hmm. than killing more than eating stuff like that. You know, I always say, like, I always tell people when they talk about, you know, oh, we crushed the redfish. We kept 50 of them, you know, and, and last week you know, fishing four or five days. I'm like, that's cool, but a steak tastes way better. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes down to it, like, we're not, it, we're, it's not the 1930s, you know. We're not we're not trying to live off the environment. Yet some people can and some people do, and that's perfectly cool. But, like, you know, it's 2021 now. We Like, we need to start being proactive. There's mm-hmm. no reason you should look at our fishery and say, I mean, we, we can all agree that it's great. You know, it's it's awesome. It's a great place to, to be. It's something that everybody should experience. But you can't sit here and say, now nah, we're good. Just leave it. It's it's fine. We don't have to do anything. You should always be doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, all it, it the question should always be, how great can we make it? Not, you know, oh, we're good. Just leave it alone. Kill them all. And we'll worry about this tomorrow. Yeah, or we'll wait till a problem arises and is just blatantly obvious rather than being proactive and really looking through the data, looking through the numbers and trying to be proactive. I, I agree. Um, if, if it's cool with you, I'd love to transition to just to talk about a little bit of, of uh, you, you had mentioned you, you target jacks here. You obviously do redfish. There's a lot of different ways. What, what's your favorite fish to target here and, and how do you like to do it? I mean, it's hard for me to, I'd say one of my favorite things on earth, I'd say the two favorite things because I I love them both equally, is probably the slot fish in the spring. You know, like I was just talking about, I feel like we're just a couple weeks away from getting all that good grass and, you know, happy tailing fish and all. It's hard to beat the slot fish. I feel like I always tell people, you want to come and just get shots, you come April, May, June. And, you know, you're going to see fish, you know, you're going to get shots at slot fish. They act right. They eat, you know, they do, they do the right things. But, uh, the other thing I really love is the jacks, man. I love the jacks in the summer. 
and we'll mess with the bull reds too. But the jacks are one thing that are just like it's a smart fish, you know, when they're shallow. Um, it's a mean fish. They just come. I always say they come and take your lunch and punch you in the gut sometimes mm-hmm. because I mean they just they they're they were always they're put on this earth to just mess things up and they're mm-hmm. such a cool fish for it. And uh, that I spent a lot of time doing that in the summer and not it's really like a jack around here is like the hated creature because it messes up trout fishing. You always hear people like all oh, these damn jacks, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, you know, I just stay quiet in the corner. I'm like, they're really cool. Leave them alone. And that's cool. You know, I'll just keep fishing them. Yeah. How do you like to target them? Uh, one of my favorite things, I mean, I, I throw a lot of like, there's a lot of reefs and all our fish and I'll go run around looking for them just schooled up in open water and I'll throw tuna poppers at them, catch them like that on spinner rods. And, uh, I'll tease them up with tuna poppers, let people throw flies in there. But I think the biggest adrenaline rush that like I get all year is seeing a jack on a flat pushing that big old like submarine wake down a bank you know and i'll see them with their just tailing just their tails are out of the water and you know eight inches of water on a sand flat and just and it's so crazy when you see a jack push because like a redfish push you know he's moseying down a bank mm-hmm. a jack push it's like a fire drill it's like you see him 300 yards away and it's like hurry because that's how fast he's moving i mean he, they're trucking faster than you could pull faster than your trolling motors moving sometimes hmm. and they're just coming down the flat and and they're smart a lot of people think they're kind of dumb and and you know not too bright just because when most people encounter jacks they encounter in just a feeding frenzy which mm-hmm. yeah we can throw spark plugs into that they'll probably eat them mm-hmm. but uh when they're on a flat i mean their eyes are big man i mean they're smart they're a smart fish they have a bigger brain than most fish and uh they get shallow and especially when they're shallow and clean water like you're not making a 15 foot cast and catching them. I mean, you're making, I like to get my guys, you know, when we see them, we see them a couple hundred yards away sometimes. And, um, I like to get set up when they're a hundred yards away. That's like, you know, like get ready. And then Mm -hmm. they get inside of like 150 feet and we're like, okay, you know, get, let's get that line out and pick. They kind of get on a, they have, they have good eyes. Like I said, and they kind of get on a line. So, Let's get that line out there 60, 70 feet if possible, you know, make a long cast. And then as soon as they get within like 20 feet, start ripping it and they're going to see it. Mm-hmm. And if you do everything right, and I always tell people the biggest thing you could ever do with fly fishing jack shallow is, is stop or slow down. Like they want it moving so fast. Sometimes I tell people start two hand stripping it. Just they want, they, it's gotta be moving. Mm-hmm. And that's hard for people to do. You know, people aren't used to doing that. They're used to just barely stripping or whatever and and you know it's a lot of things that go into that and then you hook the fish and it's a whole bag of more things to go into you know you hook the fish if your runs right at you 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 just got to hold on for dear life and keep it tight wait till he gets away and you know jab him again because they have a hard mouth it's and you got to really put that hook into them and then clear your line you know try to get them on a reel watch your drag there's so many things that go into it by the time you get that fish to the boat it's like holy crap, I earned this, you know? Mm-hmm. I know, like, you know, people, you know, talk about tarpon fishing and all, and tarpon fishing's awesome. I'm no expert in it by any means. I, I just, I've caught a few, and I enjoy it. But this is like my tarpon fishing, the jacks, you know? I feel like you get that adrenaline rush, and it's so rewarding when you finally get that fish up, especially on a flat. And it's even cooler if you were wade fishing and doing it, like mm-hmm. walking around. It's just like, it's, I don't, it's not cooler. It's just like, so much more just in your face and you know adrenaline 
Yeah, and and that's something I I really uh, I talked with a guy Adam Hudson. He's a guide out of uh, my general area, Carabel, and um, he was talking about wade fishing for redfish and how he you know he has a skiff, but he loves the stealth. He loves oh, the yeah. speed. He likes being a little bit more on their level. It was like I remember when you said that. You know, I remember the first time I ever killed a deer off the ground. Yeah, and it was a doe, but it was exhilarating mm-hmm. because. I was on the ground and all of a sudden, man, that deer looks way bigger. And, you know, your your uh, field of vision oftentimes is obviously more limited, you know, because you're not up in the air. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's just a different experience. I feel like that with, with waiting, you know, I'm, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. You're in the water and that thing's going crazy. Oh, it's, it's, it's wild. And there's a few times a year where we'll get a chance to wade fish a redfish. And, like, it's mostly little small reds, like, you yeah. know smaller than like 26 inch reds or so um but it's just so like fun sneaking up on them getting Mm -hmm. out of the boat and the jacks are really like you know there's very few opera there's even fewer opportunities that we get out of the boat and get to you know really sneak up on them just because they're always moving so fast but man like i've caught a few jacks on foot and you know 10 inches water over some sand where they ate the fly like 10 feet from me and it almost scares the crap out of you. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they come rushing at it and you're kind of sitting there thinking like, if he hits me in the shin right now, I'm going to have a bone sticking out of my leg. Cause that's Mm -hmm. just how aggressive they are and how mean they are. Yeah. I saw, I I remember, um, when I was in high school, we were back in a Creek and all of a sudden before I noticed the Jack, cause he was kind of down in a deeper section, like a little channel. Um, and, uh, all of a sudden these mullet started jumping onto the shore and I like looked over, <laughs> I'm like, they're committing, you know, oh, mullet yeah. <laughs> suicide, you know, they're jumping on the shore. And next thing you know, dude, a huge jack comes up and just blowing these things <laughs> up. And it was the coolest thing just to see just how aggressive that fish is. Yeah, dude, they're know? so awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll throw every now and then if I got some buddies of mine that hadn't really caught one or something like that. I'll go get some mullet and you know, it's funny. I'll, sometimes I'll just throw a casting at the first group of mullet I see and I don't care, dude, they could be 15 inch mullet, giant Mm. mullet, you know, and I'll, I'll sit there, put them on a hook and I'm like, there you go. Throw it, throw it like a baseball at them if you can, Mm. you know? And they're like, Oh, you don't think that's too big. I'm like, I've seen them chase, you know, full size redfish. Mm -hmm. Like they don't care if it's moving and they think they can, you know, get their mouth around it i mean they're gonna they're gonna just try to attack any kind of fish in that size range mm-hmm. and it's just so cool i've i've thrown some big mullet at them before when you know with a circle just a straight circle hook on a leader and uh the mullet's like jumping out of the water trying to get out of it with the hook mm-hmm. in its mouth and it's just it's so crazy like I always I always tell people like jacks are put on this earth to just keep things in check <laughs> i like, keep the mullet in check keep all the smaller fish in check yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're the destroyer. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think that's a, I think that's a really cool thing to, to kind of build a little bit of your business around too, just because I think a lot of times it's a bycatch. Oh yeah. You know, and to be able to kind of target them anytime, anytime you, you know, bycatches are always easy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that was easy. Well, of course it was easy. Yeah. You weren't trying, right? <laughs> yeah. But anytime you, it doesn't matter if it's hunting, if it's fishing, all of a sudden, you know, when you're targeting something it gets harder. Oh yeah. Always. <laughs> it like That's it. what I always tell people. And I've had clients come and they're like, Oh yeah, we went out to here, you know, and fish these rigs. We got tired of catching jacks. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Well, this ain't it. 
Yeah. You know, like they see it pushing, you know, way down the bank, shallow, mm. and they they go throw their line out, and it's got three or four bows in it, and the jack just comes and swirls it to fly and takes off, and mm-hmm. they're like, "What happened?" I'm like, "This ain't the rigs. Mm. You gotta you gotta fish that fish. You know, it's one on one. Like that's what I love about it." Yeah, I mean, you know, when when you have a fish in that environment too, in a feeding frenzy, it, it's not processing and thinking the same way because it can't. You cannot be slow in a group and get food. You, oh, yeah. You'll never eat. You'll die. For you'll sure. just you'll starve yourself, right? And it's funny because we were talking about turkeys too. It's like something can be really smart, but in the wrong environment, I mean, humans are no different. Is going to start making mistakes and slip up and be easy. You know, oh, once, yeah. once a turkey sees a little Jake. Things are different. Yeah, it Once a, one, one, when a jack's in a school, mm-hmm. things are different. But when a jack is solo, oh yeah, you know it's not it's not in the school anymore, and it's not in that deep water by the rig. And you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just shallow water fishing in general. And something that I thought was was interesting about you too is so in my mind, you know, coming over here to Louisiana, you know, when I'm thinking about Louisiana redfish, I'm often thinking about big old bull reds, and you have. Uh, an affection for slot fish and but not because not because they're in the slot and you can keep them but make, make the case for us about why you <laughs> so, like to target slot fish my thing with the slot fish i mean you know everybody like you just said you know everybody thinks of us thinks of bull reds which bull reds are awesome i'm not knocking them by any means i love doing it you're gonna have you a know. bunch of bull reds pull <laughs> protesting you and saying you're discriminating them Oh yeah, but I mean, I love them. I mean, they're awesome, you know. And uh, you know, in the summertime when we get them, you know, wherever we are that time of year, it's awesome to see them if they're schooled up or if they're on a flat. And like the winter time, you know, late in the winter, in December, January, you're fishing them shallow water oysters, and but you're really earning it too. I mean, they didn't get that big by being dumb, you know. They don't mess up that often. I mean, not to say you won't make a terrible cast 10 feet behind him and all of a sudden he decides he wants it because that, that that's louisiana stuff like that redfish just lose their mind sometimes you know mm-hmm. i always say like i said earlier you know if it's been kind of slow i'm like we need we need a kamikaze mm-hmm. and uh i always call like those big dumb redfish that are just like coming right at the boat high happy just about to eat the fiberglass off the bottom of your boat that's a kamikaze you know he's just he's gonna eat no matter what you do wrong yeah but um you know, redfish are the bulls. They're they're not. I don't want to say eat as easy as the slotfish. They're just not as forgiving. You know, you make a bad cast, he's probably gone. Uh, you know, with the slotfish, especially the springtime and the early summer, I just love how they act. They act so good for you, so good for people that haven't done it before, especially super forgiving. Just like. You know, you make a bad shot, oh, well, look right there, there's another one, throw at him, you know, mm-hmm. turn and throw at him, and you hit that one in the head, okay, whatever, you know, oh, wait, he's coming back, throw it back in there, you know, <laughs> that's just how it is with them, and they, they, you, I feel like you can do more things with them, you know, I throw gurglers at them, I throw poppers at them, I throw poppers at them when they're three feet on the bottom sometimes, and they come and eat it, mm-hmm. you know, bull reds don't do that that often, it's just, I love the slots for how they act, you know, they're mm-hmm. super forgiving, and I feel like it's the it's some of my favorite types of fishing because you're usually in like thick vegetation and it's it's you're hunting them. Like you're looking around and you look and they there's a bunch of snot grass or hydrilla or whatever it may be matted up and there's one hole you gotta put it in. Not because it's a spooky fish, but because literally if you put it anywhere else, it's in the grass. He's yeah. not even he doesn't even know it's there. 
So it's kind of, it's, I feel like it's real technical like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I always call it like Cajun bone fishing, you know? Mm-hmm. You're making like accurate casts, not super long, crazy casts. You're making accurate, you know, shorter casts. And um, you get a better reaction out of them. You know, they just, the things they do in the areas they go, and they're just so much prettier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's rare you get that pumpkin looking bull red. I mean, you'll catch them, but like, you know, you catch a seven pound red in Delacro in, you know, May in a bunch of grass. And he's, first of all, whatever you threw at him, he probably lost his mind and, you know, chase after it. If he's acting right, I mean, they don't act right all the time. But if he's acting right, he went nuts. And then you get him up and you're like, I've caught him before where there's, I mean, many times, you know, all summer long sometimes where there's no white on him at all. The whole fish is orange. It's just orange, like, you know, like a pumpkin all the Mm -hmm. way up underneath. And that's just so cool to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they're also different. You had mentioned that on the boat today because you were tagging redfish and, um, you know, every single one has its own little characteristics and yeah i mean they all there's their colors on their head you know their scale patterns i mean i always say they're their spots like our like our fingerprints you know they may look the same but if you if you took ten thousand spots of a redfish and matched them all up there's no copies they're mm-hmm. all completely different you know it's nature for you it's awesome mm-hmm. but uh it's just so cool like you know You'll see slop fish going, you know, you'll see them up on the bank with their eyeballs out of the water crawling around, and you're like, what is that fish doing? And then you'll see 20 of them together in a group, you know, in three feet of water, and just, you know, you just like you caught that uh, first one today, and uh, when you hooked it, you know, there was two others that floated up, and it was kind of, those fish were acting a little weird, I think. You know, we just had that big tournament come down, which you know, maybe put a bunch of pressure on them. But anyway, a lot of times I'll see the slot fish, you hook one. And, uh, if the fly is like on the corner of his mouth, the other, his friends are like, screw you, man, I need food. And they're eating a damn fly out of that fish's <laughs> mouth. And I'll tell the other guy, if I got two clients with me, I'm like, grab a rod, get in there. You know, mm. like we're going to, we're going to catch them, you know, just throw whatever you got. I don't care. Throw, you know, throw something with your hand in there. It's just so much fun. And I feel like you don't get that as much with bigger fish. I mean, big fish are cool. They lo- I always tell people big fish are made for Instagram, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to see that big red on Instagram. I'm like, I could show you some way cooler acting fish if you come with me, you know, and do this, you know, catch slot fish. And, and it's not just a spring, too. We get it early fall, you know, mm-hmm. October, end of October, really. And then, like, uh, beginning of November and all, we do it a lot, but just a lot more things i've just really become you know so much in love with just watching them eat mm-hmm. and compared to like catching them and landing them, watching a slot fish eat over a big fish is just so much more cool to me yeah it, it was it, it was great today if you're good with it i got a long list of rapid fire questions yeah, brewing no um brewing in my head from from our time today um my, my first one is you know when I think of Louisiana too, I think about Cajun cuisine and I like talking to different guys about food. What do you feel like is your best Cajun dish that you cook and give us a little rundown if, if you're willing of how you cook it? Uh, I mean, as far as for me, I mean, it, 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 a lot of things we eat here too. Like I didn't even realize it's like real Cajun stuff until, you know, I see other people doing it, but I'd, I'd say for me, it's probably, I mean, just like we were talking about doing crawfish. I feel mm-hmm. like that's such a alien thing everywhere else in the country. And it's so funny because like, 
Yeah, I guess it is kind of weird. We're taking these creatures that crawl around the mud and eat dead things, and we're cooking them and eating them. But uh, I like I like doing that a lot. I'd say that's the most Cajun thing I can you know think well, what, of off the top of my head. Is what's far. your recipe there then? What's uh, the- I mean, pretty much. I don't do anything too fancy with it. I like to just you know, I'll throw in my biggest thing with crawfish is you got to have the citrus. I feel like you got to have your lemons. You got to have you know your oranges and all. I feel like that really makes them taste. I don't know what it really does as far as the taste, but you could definitely taste the sweetness in it a little bit. Um, I'll do that. You know, we'll throw some jalapenos in there sometimes, but that and mixing that that uh, you know the liquid boil with the powder boil is a big deal for me. That's mm-hmm. I'll see people just do a liquid, and I'm like, or just a powder or something like that. I'm like, yeah, you taste that difference for sure. You get like a hot and a spice. Mm-hmm. You get like a spice from like the liquid and a hot from the powder and it kind of makes it all perfect but uh we do that a lot and that's one thing that mm. you take crawfish away from me i'm done i'm not you know that's that's my number one thing for the year probably mm. yeah that sounds great so being in louisiana and it's a destination for a lot of you know not just fly fishers but just red fishing flats fishing sight fishing um what's the biggest mistake common mistake that you see people make my biggest thing with sight fishing and, you know, sight fishing redfish is like, you know, uh, we saw it a couple of times today where you were just wanting to lead them so much, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like it hurts you a lot. Not really as much right now because we didn't have that super thick vegetation, but like just imagine if that grass was twice as thick and you let him by, you know, six feet. He He's not even in the same area code, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, he's his mind is on something else. I think the biggest thing though is that is people wanting to lead the fish so much, mm-hmm. and no, it doesn't matter if it's a spinner rod with a spoon or crawfish or swim bait or a fly rod. You know, like I tell people sometimes, I'm like hit them in the head, you know, and they they're like mind blown by that, and I'm like, well, yeah, I just want you to get it closer to them, not because, you know, they'll see it from far sometimes, but they're not gonna spook. I mean, you hit them directly in the head and they're up high, you know, shallow, they're gonna spook but we can fix that. It's harder for me to explain to get it closer than it is for me to tell you, you know, get it a little bit further away from them. Everybody just wants to lead them so much. Mm-hmm. Whereas like these fish, I mean, you got to think though. I mean, when we're looking around fishing, you're going to see crabs, you're going to see shrimp everywhere. If you throw that thing 10 feet away, imagine how many things that they can eat they're going to cross in that 10 feet. Whereas if you just put it on them, let it sink, and I always tell people, Imagine there's a five-gallon bucket on their nose. Land it in that five-gallon bucket. You know, throw your fly, throw whatever you got in that five-gallon bucket, let it sink, jig it, whether it's a, you know, spinner rod or baitcaster or strip it with the fly. They're going to decide in the first 12 inches if they're going to want to eat it or not. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want it, then, you know, they might spin around, freak out on it, and try them again. I, just, I always tell people, if you lay eyes on that fish, you keep throwing at them. Because I've had it where, you know, you throw at him on the left side. He's coming left to right, and you throw at him. Make a, you thought it was a good cast, you know, strip, strip, and he kind of, like, sees it and spins around. You're like, oh, he's gone. I'm like, throw at him again. He, you throw at him going the other way, he eats it. It's just there's no telling, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just like it a certain way. Sometimes, you know, I always say they're like goldfish. They have a short-term, you know, memory, and, you throw it at them one way and they, you know, they go away and then you see them float up again, throw at them again. They're like, Oh, that looks good. You know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, what is going on? But that's just how they are. Just keep throwing at them. 
and just get it closer to them. You know, you, we're not leading these fish by 10 feet. They're not, you don't have to worry about them spooking. I'd rather you hit that fish in the back than, you know, throw it 10 feet in front and, the, and mm-hmm. we never know if he wanted that fly or not. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, for you looking back over the years, who or what do you feel like was the most influential thing for you developing as a guide? I think one of the biggest things for me is just like from guiding is just being around people. You know, I learned, I learned real quick. It was more about, you know, just catering to people and being good with people than it was the fishing. Like, of course I love the fishing and it drives me nuts when, you know, we're not catching fish, but Mm -hmm. like, I learned real quick and you learn that on the days where you really get your ass kicked, you know, mm-hmm. wind beat you up and you, maybe you didn't even catch a fish. Maybe you didn't see a fish that day. And that's the days when you're like, I, I can think of so many days or a couple days where I've had that were, you know, just bad days where those clients are the ones that are some of my favorite clients. Cause mm-hmm. that's when you really are like, these guys are awesome or these guys, you know, or I don't want to fish them again, but more often than not, you, you pick out some really good people that way, you know, and it's just being around people, listening to them talk, talking with them, you know, helping them and coaching them through it. I hate when I hear people that went fishing with somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, this guy yelled at me all day, you know. I missed a couple fish. I know I'm not that good. He made me real nervous. I hate that because I'm like, you're coming on this boat. You're spending your money, you know, and I, I, I know it's about catching fish. We got to catch some fish. I hate not catching fish more than anybody, but like at the end of the day, it's all about the experience your people had. And I think when that kind of clicked for me, I was like, this is really cool, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was through a multitude of people, you know, I think one of the better people person in this fly fishing world we have down here is Shane Mayfield. That's down there in, in Port Sulphur with us. And he's great with people. And I learned, you know, he'd always mess with me because I'd be like, yeah, I just hate not catching fish. You know, Mm -hmm. like I I just hate not, you know, these guys missed a bunch of fish and it drove me nuts. And he's like, look, if they had a great time, then you just, you know, you have a good day with it. Don't beat yourself up because you're thinking, what could you have done to make them catch fish? I mean, you know, and then once I realized that I was like, oh yeah, you know, even if I have some guys that can't do it, just help them, Mm -hmm. you know, just be like, and that's kind of how I am now. I'm like, oh, you hit them in the head, whatever. You know, let's go find another one. You know, mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Forget about that fish, you know. And I'm no expert caster by any means, but if I see somebody doing something that I think I could help them, you know, hey, why don't you try this, you know. Not like, hey, asshole, what the hell was that, you mm-hmm. know. Like, just tell that guy. And I'll even go up to the front sometimes and grab the rod and be like, look, let's, let's try this. This is going to help, you know, um, little things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, that, that to me that I think just hearing you talk too about Shane, you know, kind of leads to another question I had, which it seems like, and I don't know if this is just my vantage point or what, but it seems like you're pretty well connected to a lot of the other guides here and older guides here. As you look at a lot of the older guides in the area, what are some things that you see in them that you that you aspire to as somebody who's younger and towards the beginning of their career? Um, I mean, my thing, I'd say my biggest thing with that is, you know, I look at some of these older guys that, you know, Bish been real persistent with it and, you know, they've been around because, you know, people like them and people enjoy them and they put people on fish and, and I've kind of gotten to that stage where like, I'm getting a lot of my regular guys, a lot of return guys, and I just enjoy that, you know, and once you get a lot of people that 
You know, they know what to expect. You know what to expect. It makes the day so much better. It makes the best days better and the worst days, you know, better. So there's mm-hmm. no, there's no, it doesn't make, it never hurts things to have it like that. And I'd say that's the biggest thing I see with people is just like, you know, staying persistent and not beating yourself up. I mean, there's like Captain Rich over there, you know, the little Waldner spoon fly. That's Captain Rich. He's out of Port Sulphur over there. And uh, he's, I mean, he's in his 70s. And that dude, he is the first one to launch every day and the last one to leave. It doesn't matter. You know, he's pulling around. And his thing is like, it could be blowing 25 and socked in clouds. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a rough one today. Mm -hmm. And Rich is trying to launch his boat in the 30 degree weather at at six in the morning. You know, he's like, oh, we're going to get them. They got to eat somewhere. I'm like, I see stuff like that. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's really cool. You know, and that's, that's, uh, you know, just staying persistent with it like that and just being good with people. You know, I Mm -hmm. see you'll see people come and go and it's usually not because anything to do with fishing. It's all about like how they handle and treat people. So another thing that I thought was really interesting too, is I know that you also do some kayak fishing and uh, we were talking some about that today. And I was kind of curious about what's, can you make the case for kayak fishing and can you um, include in it just a couple tips on how to be successful? Yeah, I mean, we have, we've actually grown, I mean, kayak fishing over the years down here has just, you know, grown tremendously, which I'm sure it has everywhere, you know, kayaks are getting way more advanced and all, and I really enjoy it, because, like, my biggest thing with the kayak, it, like, it kind of sets you back down, like, in your roots, you know, you're not running 20 miles today, so, like, what are you going to do, you know, you got to do something different, you got to fish somewhere harder, and that's what I really enjoy about it, and it's real, like, mellow for me, you know, like, I'm not running around and freaking worried about, you know, running over a pipe somewhere or, you know, jumping some mud flat. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to pedal around and, and, you know, cast here and fish real hard. And it's real relaxing to mm-hmm. me. That's why I love it. And and I see a lot of people, you know, they're just like, you know, in the kayak world, they just, you know, want to just cover water and stuff like that. And I learned real quick, it just, it makes you a better fisherman if you have to cover the least amount of water possible, you know? And I feel like that's when I really have learned how to like comb areas and, and really the way I pole and just watching f- redfish move and all is it's kind of like kayak, like when I'm in the kayak, cause I'm going slow and the quieter you, you are, you know, the more redfish you're going to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our fish aren't as spooky as other places, but like it's the same thing in a kayak, you know, it, it's so quiet and I've, I love sight fishing in the kayak and all, and a uh, trout fish and all, but like you can get right next to a redfish and them not hear you if you're quiet, you know, and drift in the right way. And you take that and apply it to like being in a boat and a pulling skiff, mm-hmm. just slow down a little bit, let the wind do the work, you know, don't make a bunch of noise. Don't slam things. Don't walk around. Don't, tr- don't rock the boat. You can get right next to fish all of a sudden, you know, it's just things like that. And there's so much, it, I love the kayak stuff too, because like, it's so accessible to everybody. Mm. You know, somebody, a, a kid, like I remember buying a kayak when I was in high school. I, I don't I don't even remember what I sold. I remember selling a few things and going to, I think, Dick's Sporting Goods and picking out this awesome, like, $400 kayak. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is going to be so cool. I'll throw it on top of my car, you know, go wherever, and I can launch it anywhere and just get right into fishing. You know, it was just, it was like, you know, the transition of being a, 
kid on a bike and a bank fisherman to like kayak fishing and and doing things like that and i love nothing more than seeing like kids that are you know in high school and all getting a kayak and you know they're looking around hard they're sight fishing or trout fishing or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be it's it's really cool as far as that goes and you can go super fancy man and have a kayak that costs you know five thousand dollars with with y'all your electronics and all but like at the end of the day it's all just you know about how how like accessible you can be to the water Mm -hmm. my last my last question is um i've asked this a few times but if, if you could have a billboard that every angler had to see on their way into louisiana what would it say (laughs) i don't know man it's it's probably if i had a guess it'd probably be stop throwing so far in front of that damn fish (laughs) you know (laughs) like i say that's the biggest thing i see that like hinders people when they come with me Mm -hmm. as far as sight fish and redfish goes but uh, but um like jackson all you know we want to lead them but Mm -hmm. uh with redfish like i mean i've i've had days where people just can't comprehend that Mm. and they lead every you know 20 fish by 10 feet and we only catch a couple out of those shots we should have caught you know should have had an awesome day and really crushed them and it's just that's that's the big probably the biggest thing that comes to mind and uh I always mess with people. I'm like, keep your expectations low and you'll have a great day no matter how bad the weather is, you know? <laughs> That'd be a good, uh, welcome to Louisiana. Keep your expectations low. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be one. You know, something interesting about that, just as we wrap up too, is, um, you know, I've asked that question a dozen times. You're the first person to ever give an answer that would be positive, I think, to the readers <laughs> of that billboard. You yeah. Know? So I think it says a lot about you, that you, you want to help people and want them to have a good time, catch fish. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing with it, man. I mean, like we've talked about it, you go other places and, you know, people, and, and, you know, people have a right to be protective of some stuff. And I've felt that way before, but now I see, like, you know, if if you're just together, try to be behind everybody, you know, you can have no enemies that way. And you could get stuff done, whether it's, you know, conservation or having a good a guide service or whatever it may be. And, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't see a point in not being positive, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't, it's a whole lot easier to just be positive about a fishery than it is to mend a burned bridge, you know, that you probably shouldn't have messed up. And you never know, the other thing too, you never know who somebody is or where they're coming from, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, if it, if you go get on somebody's ass for something stupid, like, oh, you know, that guy was in my spot, you know, that, you know, you'd let that eat you up all day. I mean, I'll see sometimes when I'm in an area for a couple of days and I see somebody, I'm like, damn it, somebody's there, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, oh, well. But like, you know, some people really, that it never leaves them all day. They're like, oh, screw that guy. And mm-hmm. I feel like you just ruined your whole day thinking about somebody in one spot all day. When we have freaking acres and acres and acres of marsh. Mm, that's good, man. Well, thanks so much for hanging out today and coming on the podcast. And I look forward to doing another one down the road. For sure, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks again for listening to The Captain's Collective. Please help us out by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast. We hope that you enjoy. This is The Captain's Collective.